Welcome to Change Nation. Over the past two decades, Kathleen and Gay Hendricks have worked with over 20,000 individuals, 80 companies, and 3,000 couples in helping them change their lives, their companies, and their relationships. They're the founders of the Hendricks Institute and also part of the founding team of the Spiritual Cinema Circle. Together, they've authored Conscious Living, The Conscious Heart, and other books about relationships and all facets of conscious living. They've also appeared on over 500 TV and radio programs. Today, they're with us on Change Nation to do a two-part interview. One, on Gay's latest book, The Big Leap, book that I finished last night and highly recommend. And the second one will be on conscious relationships. Welcome to you both. What a real treat to have you here. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you. So, Gay, you've researched human behavior for several decades. What was it about what you found or heard that made you want to write this latest book? Yes, well, the actual beginnings of it had to do with a moment that occurred for me in the 1970s when I discovered an upper limit on my own ability to enjoy love and positive energy and abundance. And I started looking in other people's lives when they would consult me and relationships and I found that almost everybody has an upper limit thermostat setting on how much love and abundance and positive energy they'll let themselves feel and the book is really about how what to do when you hit that upper limit how to move on through it and take your big leap out of that zone of holding yourself back into a new zone where you're really living from your genius. Now, everyone has one of these? I haven't met anybody yet that doesn't. <laughs> and I've worked with billionaires that are CEOs of major corporations. And I've worked with juvenile delinquents who are 14 years old that I was trying to help keep from going to prison. And everybody's got an upper limit thermostat setting. If you find somebody that doesn't have one, call me collect. I want to uh, put them in the upper limits museum. And Gay, how do you detect it? Is it by what they're saying? Is it by their actions? How, how do I detect where my upper limit happens? Well, one thing you can do is listen to the words you speak. That's a really good way to do it, and listen to the words that other people speak to you. For example, if you give someone a compliment, you say, I like your uh, scarf that you're wearing today, which I do, by the way. And uh, uh, if you said back to me, oh, it's nothing, it's just an old rag, you know, it's uh, something $10, I found in the yeah. city dump. <laughs> that would be a good example of catching yourself upper limiting because it would be just as easy to say, wow, thank you, I appreciate you appreciating that. And so one of the big art forms in life is to feel more and more and more positive energy, to feel better inside naturally, organically, and to feel more and more of a flow of positive energy back and forth between you and other people. And when you do that, you're transcending your upper limits and living life the way you're meant to be. So okay, give me some examples in maybe someone trying to lose weight, someone maybe wanting to make more money, like real life examples, where, where would it hit? Yes. Well, let me give you a personal example. Um, I used to be very overweight, and uh, I embarked on a big diet that eventually would help me lose more than 100 pounds, which I've kept off over the years. I had something wrong with my thyroid and all that when I was a kid. And so when they got that all straightened out, I still had this 100 pounds of extra weight to lose. And amazing thing happened. After I started losing the weight, 
just about maybe two weeks into it, after I'd lost some weight, I started being obsessed with peanut butter. And I realized that there were all of these things that in the past I had used to comfort myself, and they became my upper limits um, uh, problems because I would lose a little bit of weight, and then I would start thinking about ice cream, and then I'd eat some ice cream and start feeling bad again and gain more weight. And so in the course of a year, I must have identified, oh, I don't know, 50 or 60 different things that I would eat or do to make myself feel bad when I'd hit my upper limit of how much positive energy I could feel. And that's the important thing we want to also mention to people too, is that don't make yourself wrong for discovering your upper limits. You know what, you want to kind of see these upper limit behaviors, but not give yourself a hard time for it because the act of giving yourself a hard time is another upper limit behavior that people use to make themselves feel bad. And I guess for, for most people, they are unconscious, they're in their blind spot, and it's a matter of increasing the awareness of me catching a thought pattern or catching guilt or catching certain emotions that I just want to pull myself back. Yes, that's a really good way to put it. Uh, one great way to identify them, too, is noticing what you worry about. You know, like one day I was walking down the street um, in uh, the little town that I live in, and I passed a jewelry shop, and I looked at a few things in the window, and I thought, oh, that would be a great thing to give Kathleen. And I walked on up the street, and I found myself worrying right thereafter. You know, I found myself worrying about money and worrying about the homeless and that kind of thing. And I realized that what had happened was I had started worrying about all those things because I'd had an upsurge of positive feeling about Kathleen. And so I ended up calling her on the phone and telling her this little sequence of events. And see, what happens, I think, is these upper limit behaviors and upper limits get installed early in life. So they become almost part of the fabric of your being or kind of like for a fish, the water it's swimming in. It doesn't know that it's swimming in water. And in that same way, I think that most people don't really realize how they're putting upper limits on how good they can feel and how much of a contribution they could be making in life. One of the questions I was going to ask you later is, for parents who are listening to this, how do you make sure that you're not instilling upper limits in your kids? I think, I think we have them you know, automatically put on us. I really think that's a key issue. And in fact, uh, I've heard out just walking around in life parents in the act of doing that. You know, like uh, the kid will say something like, oh, I can't wait for Saturday when we go to the museum. And uh, the parent will say something like, well, don't count your chickens before they hatch. You know, don't get too excited. Something terrible could happen between now and then. So it would be just as easy to say in that moment, yeah, let's take a moment and just celebrate how excited we are. And that, that way you don't have to put that lid on how people are feeling. Have you found different upper limits between men and women? Well, I think that uh, everybody shares certain ones, but I think women probably tend to worry more than men do. Um, men, for, for better or for worse, often think they're right about just about everything. And whereas I've noticed that a lot of women sort of come at it from the other position, kind of worried a little bit that they might not be right about whatever it is, their attitude or their opinion or whatever it is. So I would say there's a, a big difference and um, that um, also I would say that men tend to have more accidents 
than women do. Accidents are a classic example of an upper limits problem. If you notice the accidents you tend to have in your life, you'll almost always find that they come after a period of feeling good, not after a period of feeling bad. It's when you've kind of exceeded your ability to let yourself feel good, you find some way to kind of bring yourself back down through illness or an accident or starting an argument, something like that. What are some of the upper limits that we put in the area of love? Love being something that you two are experts at and you know very familiar with and you've coached couples in what are the ones that tend to show up in in single people in couples yes well one of the biggest ones is the feeling that you don't deserve love the feeling that somewhere down in there you're unlovable and therefore you don't deserve to have the kind of love you want and that's just based on some old false belief that usually got installed in you early in life before you could even think for yourself. Another one that's a very big one for both men and women, although men are often very reluctant to admit it, is that many of us, because of the way relationships go, have had abandonment experiences or being hurt or wounded in the area of love. And so that later on in life, we have this idea that if I really let myself be loved and if I really let myself love someone, then it would be terrible because they would leave me. So I better not do that. I better hold myself back and not really let myself be deeply loved. But that's based on an old version of yourself. So when you find yourself thinking things like that, it's time to come right now into the now and open yourself in this moment to allowing a bigger flow of love and positive energy, not to operate out of that old belief out of the past. And I guess another one probably you see is not feeling worthy that you can have more than one thing. And I don't mean more than one partner, but I mean money and a great career and a great body and a great relationship. It's probably one that you see very often. Yeah, I remember actually having a conversation with my mother when I was a kid. Um, I, I was overweight as a child, and they took me around to different specialists and couldn't figure out what was wrong with me and that kind of thing. And uh, I remember my mother said, I was complaining about this one day, you know, why, why do I got to be fat and everybody else doesn't have to be fat? And she said, well, you're smart, so it would be unreasonable to expect to have brains and a body right? So basically get over it. <laughs> and, uh, and so I don't remember feeling very nurtured in that moment, but uh, I think that uh, it was her attempt maybe to toughen me up a little bit for life because uh, maybe she, she thought I was going to go through my whole life fat and uh, didn't realize that I was going to lose the weight later. So Gay, for, I'm now impatient on, well, well, now that we have clearly identified what they are, how they are, how they show up, I'm sure all our listeners are like, oh my gosh, I've got like one here, one here. In addition to becoming aware of them, what do you do when you get one, find one, hit up against one? Do you wrestle it? Do you forget it? Do you write it down? Do you say, hello, I've seen you? What do you do? Great question. Well, ideally, love it. Just love it as it is. Love it and accept it and kind of wave to it like an old friend that's coming in to visit because it's giving you a chance to learn something about a key time in your life when you did put the upper limit on yourself. But the real important thing is to make a commitment now to transcending your upper limit by making a commitment to allowing yourself to feel good, organically good, for longer and longer periods of time, and also making a commitment to feel more love and connection with other people for longer and longer periods of time. Because what happens is that most of us, our ability to experience love and positive energy 
is measured in minutes at a time. And so what we want to do is get to the point where we can allow years and years and years of love and flow of abundance and positive energy to move through us rather than minutes at a time. But at first, you've got to start with that commitment to let yourself and other people and the universe know that this is something you really want, that you really want to feel this greater flow of love and positive energy. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to make sure that we're very clear on how to transcend these upper limits and have really everything that we want in our lives. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm here with Gay Hendricks talking about his latest book, The Big Leap. So, Gay, one of the things I read in the book was not that we needed to solve this problem of the upper limit problem, but that we needed to dissolve it. So how do we go ahead and dissolve it? After a while, does it just go away? You see it, you recognize it, it becomes familiar, you don't let it take you over? Yes, that's a good way to look at it. Well, what we mean by dissolve is that Solving a problem is something that most people think of as going on in their minds, that their mind can come up with a solution. And with something like the upper limits problem in the big leap, what you have to do is use your wholeness of yourself as the problem solver. So you need to open your heart to it and you need to open your awareness to it. And then the problem begins to dissolve. It's, um, I uh, liken it to opening up a closet that maybe you haven't looked in for a while and shining a flashlight around in it. You know, when you first shine the flashlight around in it, you may go, oh, my goodness, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there that I need to clean up. But it's really a matter of just looking at it and beginning to let yourself spot it when it happens in your life. And in the act of doing that, it gradually clears away. It just takes a little bit of time and practice to uh, let it come through. And when you do that, you don't really have to wrestle with it or struggle with it. It's, it's largely a matter of applying awareness and your own natural gifts of love and positive energy to it. Is it a good thing to replace it with a better thought, a better response? It's, um, that's a fine thing to do. Like, for example, if you find yourself acting out of an old belief about, I don't deserve love, well, it's not a bad idea to throw in a new thought there, just like you install a new program in your computer. Well, you know, actually, I do deserve love. It's okay for me to have love. But actually, installing that thought is a great place to start, but where you're really going to make progress is when you spot yourself out in real life deflecting some positive energy or turning away love or or overeating when you're feeling really good or stubbing your toe when you're feeling good. When you notice those little moments where you're actually upper limiting yourself, that's where you can make a huge amount of progress. One of the uh, the areas that I think so many of us are upper limiting ourselves right now is money and finances because we're all in scarcity, or at least a lot of the people are in scarcity. How do we how do we apply it in that area? I'm sure you have plenty of examples of people who are having a hard time there. Very much so. Um, in fact, uh, in in the Big Leap, I talk a lot about um, lottery winners, for example, uh, because. Uh, you probably know that they're, um, the majority of them actually end up losing the money or going back sometimes even worse than they were before. Um, and what happens there is that most of us are programmed from early in life to live in a certain state of abundance or lack of abundance. And 
then not really challenge that. But even if we do exceed it, sometimes if we haven't looked at that old belief and where it came from, we do something then to mess up and pull ourselves back down to the old version of ourselves. And I think as a society and the whole world is going through that process right now where we've kind of hit a place where we've upper limited ourselves and now are bringing ourselves back down. And I think um, it, it's an option whether you want to participate in a recession or not. I'm not personally participating in this uh, recession. Uh, what, in fact, uh, our business has actually grown. So uh, I think one of the reasons for that is we just don't think of things like that. We continue to focus on doing what we most love to do and putting things out into the world that we think will be helpful. And then uh, I think if we as a whole nation, as a whole world could be doing that, we would turn this big recession into a great opportunity in uncovering our own spiritual entrepreneur inside that can help us learn to invent things. And see, I think there has been a tremendous conspiracy in the world against creativity and invention and intelligent solutions to problems and things like that. And I think it's times like this that we can really lift that conspiracy off of ourselves and get back to the basics and say, what would really make human beings' lives better? What would make my life better? What would make my neighbor's life better? And really get back to the basics of allowing ourselves to participate in the full flow of creative energy that human beings are capable of. What do you think the main emotion that is missing in our lives today? What is it? Is it more trust? Is it more connection to others? I think it's the real emotion is the feeling of the flow of spiritual positive energy through ourselves, actually experienced inside ourselves and then experienced in our relations with other people. So we say that when you're living right, you feel a flow of positive energy and spiritual connection inside yourself and you also see it in other people. You see them as spirit, not just as human beings with a potential for spirit, but an actual spiritual being with a human being wrapped around it. And when two or more people can connect at that level, real magic can happen. Mm -hmm. And that's the magic that we're here to spread. And that's certainly what I'm feeling from being across the table here from you. <laughs> One of the things the book talks about too is these different zones that we operate in. So zone of incompetence, competence, excellence, and genius. Do most of us hang out more in one? Do we go from one to another quite quickly? I'd love for you, obviously, to explain them as well for our, for our, our listeners. Sure. Um, if you think about the time you spend in the course of a day and night, many of us spend a lot of time in our zone of incompetence, doing things we're not very good at, that somebody else could do better. And maybe we think we have to do those things because we don't have enough money or something like that. But I bet... If you really looked at it carefully, you could find a way out of that zone of incompetence. A lot of us spend our time, too, in our zone of competence. We're doing things that we're good at doing, but somebody else could do them just as well. Where many successful people get stuck is in their zone of excellence, where they're in a zone where they're doing good things in the world, and maybe they're making good money doing it and making a contribution, but it doesn't really represent them at the full flourishing of their genius. It's not really what they're here to do. And that's the big leap, is when you can get out of what I call the excellence trap 
and get into your zone of genius where you're doing what you most love to do and what you're most uniquely suited to do. That's where a lot of magic can happen in the world. And I can tell you, it's just the best feeling you can possibly imagine. It's like being in heaven without the inconvenience of dying first. <laughs> so, Gay, for you, what was your zone of excellence and what is your zone of genius? Well, my zone of excellence is I'm, I'm really good at giving a speech. I'm really good at um, maybe explaining things to people that are difficult to explain. I was a university professor for 21 years, and so uh, that was a, a skill area of mine. But I soon realized that my real genius is in translating really difficult, complicated, sort of psycho-spiritual concepts into plain English, you know, and I can see when I'm doing that, I feel wonderful when I'm writing it and I feel wonderful when I'm talking about it and I can see people's faces lighting up. And so I was originally trained as a research psychologist and, you know, to crunch numbers on things and do statistics on things. But after a while, I realized that the real research is whether faces light up when I'm talking about whatever it is. And so for me, when I'm doing what I'm doing right now, time disappears. You know, it, it doesn't matter whether I'm doing it for 10 minutes uh, talking to the taxi driver on the way over here or an hour on a program or whatever. It's what I most love to do. And I could do it 28 hours a day and never get tired doing it. And you, you've led me perfectly into my next question, which is you talk in the book about us needing a new relationship with time mm. and how we are very, we're very triggered by time. We don't have enough of it. We use it as a complaint, an excuse. Um, you talk about, I think it's Einstein's view of time or way of time, which I had never heard about. And I've certainly, even just all day today, been very conscious of my thoughts around time. Well, I appreciate that. Well, one of the keys to making your big leap from your zone of excellence to your zone of genius is to get a whole new relationship with time where you realize that in actual reality, Nobody has any time. In other words, if you ask somebody, hey, would you uh, like to go to the movies uh, this afternoon? They might say, I don't have time. Well, that comes from a scarcity programming around time. The real truth of the matter is maybe they don't want to go to the movies and they're using time as an excuse, or maybe they don't want to go to the movies with you, and they're using time as an excuse. So what we want to do, and what will help you master making your big leap, is to change your relationship with time so that you realize that you're where time comes from. So if a person says to me something like, um, um, can I have a minute of your time? I will typically say, no, but I would be happy to make a minute for you right now. You know that it's a whole different relationship with time where I don't want to see myself as the victim. You're in of control. Time, I, then I'm in control of time and that I'm part of the universe where time comes from. So what I want to invite people to do is really listen to their words they speak about time so that they don't continue to speak as a victim of time. I'm sorry, I don't have time right now. Or I'd love to, but I just don't have time. Those kinds of ways of communicating about time entrench yourself in a victim relationship with time and therefore a victim relationship with the whole universe. Okay, I'm curious. This is my, my last question in this interview. Do you still have upper limits? Do you have some that you run into regularly or every so often? Um, well, at this stage of the game, I probably don't run into the same ones over and over again, but like I used to. But I often now will notice some little tiny upper limit about 
Um, oh, just like yesterday on the airplane, for example, I was uh, relaxing my seat, and I happened to be in one of those seats where you could kind of lay back in it. And so I was laying there, and I was watching this little movie that I was watching. And all of a sudden, I found myself worrying about um, my cat back home. And I was saying, oh, Lucy, I wonder if she's having a good time. And, um, and I realized suddenly, wait a minute, that doesn't have anything to do with Lucy. That's just an upper limit of my own. So at this stage of the game, I kind of try to catch them as quickly as they occur. Not that I always do, but uh, that's what will happen for people as you get better and better at it. You'll notice it right after a few seconds rather than after a few years. And uh, so that's kind of what you want to aim for. And the other thing I'm noticing as well, with every upper limit you've talked about, you you welcome them with humor. You've got a big smile on your face. They kind of make you laugh. You're like, wow, this is kind of funny. It's showing up again. Yes. Well, a lot of us have that uh, not only a glass is half full attitude, but the attitude that somebody's likely to steal our glass at any moment. So I kind of <laughs> will look at it the other direction and say, I feel blessed to be here on this planet where life and love and positive energy can occur. And my job is to carry it around from place to place. Okay. We are blessed to have had you here to just share the wisdom, give people a sense for the book. The book is The Big Leap. You can buy it anywhere books are sold and also on the website, thebigleap.net. And for more information on, on Gay and his wife Kathleen's work, please go to their website, www.hendrix.com. And that is H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S.com. Plenty of seminars, products, um, places that you can hear them speak. Thank you, Gay, very much for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.